This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hello, good Hello. morning, everyone. I uh, hope everyone's having a great podcast movement so far. Uh, my name is Kai Chuck, and I am the global lead of podcasting for YouTube. Uh, it is great to be here. Uh, this is my first podcast movement, though, so please be kind. Uh, thank you. First off, thank you so much to everyone for attending our little session. Uh, this turnout is actually really, really heartwarming, so thank you for coming. Um, back when I was in LA for Podcast Movement Evolutions on stage there, I mentioned how excited YouTube is to be leaning heavily into podcasting. Um, how we're you know, just getting started launching a bunch of features that'll make YouTube much more listenable and much more audio friendly. And in the past few months, YouTube has been in the news quite a bit um, related to podcasting. Uh, depending on the data source, we're either now the number two or number one most used platform for podcast consumption in the US, which is great. Uh, this past week, we launched our podcast destination page on YouTube at youtube.com slash podcast. So please check it out. Um, over the coming weeks and months, we'll be launching even more features. Uh, for example, we'll be launching official search cards for podcast shows. That's actually launching today, so check it out as well. Uh, we'll also be launching things like podcast badging in the future as well. Um, with that said, one of the most frequent questions I get asked by podcasters is, you know, how do you make a successful podcast show, podcast channel on YouTube? Obviously, this is a rather complicated question, um, but honestly, the answer to that question is rather similar. Whether you're an audio-first podcaster or a video-first YouTuber, it's kind of the same magic that goes into it. Uh, but to get, to get to the heart of the question, I thought it'd be great to ask an expert on stage to come so you can hear it from the horse's mouth from you know, the source. So with that, let me introduce AJ Feliciano, head of, the Rooster, uh, sorry, head of the Roost Podcast Network at Rooster Teeth, which is one of the largest and most successful podcast networks on YouTube. Welcome, AJ. Thank you so much. I can't wait to disappoint you all. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much for the warm introduction. Uh, Kai, you and I have known each other for like the last, since you assumed your role. And uh, it's been great sort of having that direct contact. And also, you know, what I credit you guys with is like really going around the horn and like listening to folks who have been doing you know, both historically video audio podcasting, but also audio podcasters and what their needs are. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody in this room wants to know more about your, your top seeker plans. Um, but, you know, we're already seeing some of this sort of come to fruition. And so the idea behind this presentation today is sort of giving you sort of an inside look into Rooster Teeth. Um, we were born on YouTube. Uh, we, we have a sizable following that came from YouTube and it sort of manifested its way outside of the YouTube universe, but it always comes back to YouTube as sort of like a top of funnel audience growth opportunity for us. And so I sort of want to give you an explanation behind who Rooster Teeth is. And so, you know, we're a youthful media company. We're targeted towards 18 to 34 year olds. We're generally known in the gaming and anime communities, but we've largely expanded beyond there. Um, we're sort of known as misfits in nature uh, because, you know, uh, we, we, we like to make what we like.
We all of our creators are employed by the company. They've been with us for a number of years, and we generally have a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun, maybe too much fun, actually. Uh, so we're based out of Austin, Texas. We have offices also in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, Texas, uh, Texas uh, pride out here. Um, I, you know, a large part of the DNA of the company actually comes from the city of Austin. Actually, this is the first opportunity I've had to actually talk about this. Austin is weird. Um, uh, it's a, probably a little less weird today than it was before. There's a lot of change happening in the city, but you know, one of the major pillars about Austin is just being able to have that sort of collaborative community within the city limits, uh, talk to one another, grow with one another, being able to recruit out of the local UT Austin. Uh, shout out to some podcasters that are actually from the local university, Longhorns. Um, and so we've been around for 20 years. 20 years, so a youth-based company generally, but we're not young at all, actually. 20 years, we got started in 2003, two years before YouTube even started. Um, we got started because five of our co-founders animated the Halo video game. Uh, it, that show is called Red vs. Blue. It's the longest running digital web series in history. Um, it's still going strong till this day, and that helped launch this fan-first company that, you know, we started making a whole, you know, dozens of animated series beyond there, and we have several successful ones on the air right now. So we have our, you know, popular Ruby anime franchise that's particularly big, not only domestically, but in the APAC region. And then we've also had uh, the great fortune of working with A-list celebrities out there and sort of bringing some of their, you know, uh, uh, projects to life. So we just did two seasons of a show called Genlock with Michael B. Jordan, David Tennant, Dakota Fanning, and a number of others, which, funny enough, you know, they were generally Rooster Teeth fans, and so being around for 20 years, you sort of see this stuff come full circle, and, you know, we sort of relish out the opportunity of sort of engaging with, you know, folks uh, who are passionate about, you know, what we made for them, and they want to make some of it, you know, back to super serve our, you know, long, uh, big community. So, we are a multifaceted company. So we do podcasts, but we do a number of other things as well. Podcasting only makes up a fraction of everything that we do. But it's largely the thing that sort of is a connective tissue between everything we do to sort of connect with our fan base. And today we sit at about 45 million fans worldwide. Um, and for that reason, we're able to sort of activate them in a number of different ways. We have a popular big live event called RTX, big convention out in Austin. We love it, you know, nerds up and down 6th Street. We see the local news stations sort of pick up. Okay, the nerds are in town, yeah, and we're proud of it. You see cosplayers up and down. Austin Convention Center completely full. We have the expo floor, we have a podcast festival. It's just a ton, a ton of fun down in Austin, Texas. So, um, you know, we'll be talking a little bit more about our diversified business, but the reason we're here today is to talk about the podcast arm of it all. Oh, good, that worked. Um, so, we were the pioneers in video audio podcasting. I, I feel very confident in saying that because we actually got started podcasting 15 years ago. We started video podcasting just after year one, so 14 years ago. So funny enough, we got started in audio, then moved over to video, and because I'll actually talk a little bit more of the genesis of why we immediately turned on video, but one of the main things that I sort of wanted to throw out there is that 15 years ago, we didn't call it a podcast. And for that reason, today, we don't call it a podcast team. We call it a broadcast team. 
because in many ways, you know, the definition of a podcast in our eyes um, has been evolving over the years. It used to be that I'd show up at Podcast Movement four years ago, and I'd talk about video, and no one's around to actually listen to me. And, but now here we are, and it's like the top topic of conversation. And I'm here to tell you, video doesn't matter. It's all about platform presence. And I'll get a little bit more into that subject matter because a lot of podcasting consumption is based on conditioning. It's based on where you're actually targeting your audience and where they've been conditioned to just consume content as a whole, not just podcasts. And so about five years ago, we realized, okay, we have this great sales apparatus um, behind Rooster Teeth's podcast operations, so let's form a network. And so very organically, we brought in our friends you know, large uh, YouTubers in their own right. We've known them over the years. They trust Rooster Teeth, we trust them, and we created this sort of fan-first ecosystem. We called it the Roost. Um, and generally, everything in our network fits a similar tone and style. And so, you know, like I said, very misfit in nature, a little bit anti-pop culture, a little anti-mainstream that eventually bubbles up to the mainstream. But it's all very sort of uh, unapologetic, unfiltered, you know, youth-driven, and I don't know, just very honest but positive shows, right? So we know who we are and we're looking to expand this out even more. And so, you know, I, I put up here uh, um, some of our numbers actually. So 13 million audio downloads, we're not the biggest out there. That probably puts us, I think Edison probably puts us at number 13 or 14 biggest in audio, but 87 million in monthly video views. And by the way, that actually used to be higher. And so I'll talk a little bit more about just the genesis of how things went from views to downloads and how each one of those buckets have grown over time. But we have a collection of owned and operated shows that we shoot out of our studios. Um, and then we also have third parties. And we have about, it changes often, but right now we're sitting at about 85 shows. A good third of those are owned and operated. The rest of them are our partners that we handle sales, marketing, and distribution for. And so with that, I can show you guys a sizzle tape so you get a little bit of the sense of the tone and style behind our network. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Rooster Teeth Podcast. Hello. Hey, brother. Hey. Welcome, uh, everybody. Cheers, Grace Helbig. Cheers, Amory Hart. Welcome to another episode. Hey, everyone. Up, welcome to the Rooster Teeth Podcast. Jump into Hello. It. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Rooster Teeth Podcast. Hello. Hey, brother. Hey. Welcome, everybody. Cheers, Grace Helbig. Cheers, Amory Hart. Welcome to another episode. Buckle up, because we're just going to jump into it. Can we just take a second to appreciate how good I look? We're pod for the people. Ten years ago, this would have never been a thing. Whatever's about to happen, you all need to hear us. Air Canada 797 is on fire. Encounters with the paranormal. This is like what they live for. I'm so sorry about this episode. <laughs> kind of a golden age of horror. My name's Anthony Padilla. I'm gonna be sitting down with some of the biggest powerhouses on YouTube. Cheers, Cheers everyone, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome, look what we did for you. You look like a garbage monster from a kid's movie. Is this the crossover you wanted? Worth every penny, dude. People oh, are yeah. excited to be at the movies. What is wrong with y'all, bro? Bro, oh my God. Like, you guys literally aren't ready. We're with a bunch of nerds, man. I love reading those business stats. There is so much to talk about today. Because I am indeed a baddie. You're the queen baddie. But let's turn things up just a little bit, shall we? Oscar-nominated male non-Giant. Plus Milano. Hello. Zachary Levi. James Gunn. You have made a 100% guarantee of satisfaction. <laughs> How am I going to deliver that? 
This episode of Off Topic is brought to you by Movement, Logitech, ExpressVPN. I want to thank Pizza Hut, Manscaped, Twip, Stitch Fix. Easy to cool drink. down, thanks to the Smirnoff sidebar. Voodoo Ranger said we love the show. Oh, is that a howl? Is that a howl? <laughs> RTX is like the best way to show everything that Rooster Teeth is, and it's freaking incredible. Thank you. So when you see it, you get it, right? That's why I like that piece of tape. You sort of get a sense of that tone and style. It's an identity that was built off of Rooster Teeth, right? And it's something that sort of we want to hold down to, but you know, we want to expand it to different categories. I'm sure at the end of the sizzle tape, you also saw all those various advertiser integrations. You know, we could talk more and more about you know, how this becomes uh, you know, video, and especially being on YouTube, um, adds so many more uh, products that you can actually offer to your suite of advertisers and create these real custom packages for them. But uh, with that, yeah, so clearly you guys do video really well. <laughs> uh, but you fashion yourself a video plus audio uh, podcast network. Um, a lot of podcasters, you know, they realize the value that video can bring, but they're still trepidatious about getting into it. You know, I've heard from a lot of folks say that, you know, they don't want to do video because they don't want to be on camera or they feel like the video workflow is too disruptive to their normal production workflow for their own audio podcast. What would you say to those people? Like, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some people talk about, like, oh, if introducing video or being on YouTube has a cannibalistic effect to audio. And, you know, I think the answer to that question really, uh, there's no clear answer, but I would err on the side that I don't think it has much of a cannibalistic effect. And here's why. Um, I mentioned earlier about, you know, a lot of people are talking about video podcasting, and I generally say, no, it's YouTube and, you know, and audio podcasting. The reason for that is because I think a lot of people, when they think video, they have to create this polished product, and then their overhead starts to skyrocket, and they're just like, well, I'm not going to make a return on this investment. Oh, this thing has to be perfect out the gate, and I'm here to sort of tell you that um, that's really not the case. It's about having a platform presence. It's about looking at podcast distribution as a way to target the specific audience that you're after. And I'll tell you that in the case of Rooster Teeth, you know, we use YouTube as a way of finding a younger audience. Um, that, that may not be the case for a lot of other people out there because you certainly see stuff that targets older audiences also finding a lot of success on YouTube. But for us, you know, we've done it both. We've done the audio-only podcasts that only live on places like Apple and Spotify. But, you know, funny enough, with those swings that we've taken with the audio-only podcast, we actually brought them back to YouTube after, you know, trying it out and, you know, in just those platforms alone. Because, you know, there's a lot of, the other people thing that people are talking about is discoverability, right? It's having enough functions to actually find your intended audience. And, you know, quite frankly, right now where we are in podcasting, audio is somewhat limited um, to that targeting, right? And I think a lot of people are also talking about this is because, you know, it may be a solemn admission that, you know, uh, people are not satisfied with their audio numbers. It's true that if you get just a few thousand downloads on your show, that already puts you into the top, 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 top percent of all podcasts out there, all 4.4 million of these puppies out there. 
um, being that you're competing with you're competing with not only the 156,000 active podcasts, right? That research from a few days ago, but also like the entire back catalog, and there's just no mechanism to actually find content. And so with YouTube, the beauty of it is we have old content that surfaces. Like out of nowhere, there's an inside joke that just like come, came out of nowhere and all of a sudden an episode that we had from two years ago is just popping off the charts, not because we help surface it, it's because the algorithm and people are just generally finding it and sharing it with one another. So all, the, all these different mechanisms to let your back catalog work for you and also like, you know, things like adding um, uh, things like end cards and finding ways to migrate audiences between your content so that and you know finding e-commerce tools and all this different stuff that you can sort of incorporate into a single home so that you don't take that user out of that single experience and take them off platform right you keep them there you know that makes a lot of sense i like what you said about you don't have to be fully 100% polished to be on YouTube. It doesn't have to be like TV production level quality. In fact, some of the most popular video podcasts that we've seen do really well on the platform, they have like Zoom like heads as the video. It's very simple. Um, with that said, Rooster Teeth has been on YouTube for a while, like 10 plus years. You guys have, I think, over 10 million subscribers on your main channel on YouTube. Um, where does YouTube fit into your overall distribution strategy for Rooster Teeth? And if there was like a new podcaster, if you're talking to someone new and they wanted to come to YouTube and find new audiences, what advice would you have for them to get started? One, you know, it, it, okay, well, one thing is like sort of stating a truth, and it's much harder to launch a new YouTube channel today than it was just two years ago. It's really hard for it to surface, but it's about being super dedicated and focused to just that on-platform experience. And I don't mean through the polish of video. I'm talking about through activating all the different features within YouTube, because YouTube is ultimately a game of skill. You know, if, if you guys have, with your podcast companies, you look at a video, hire somebody that knows SEO. You know, hire somebody that knows how to create other content outside of the podcast and also let it live and breathe on YouTube itself because it starts to sort of uh, uh, migrate audience to the core content that you want out there. So um, did I answer your question? I, I, a lot, in a lot of ways, yes. Yeah. Um, I, especially about kind of what you have to do differently for YouTube. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of folks don't appreciate is the amount of thought that goes into curating, optimizing, mm -hmm. programming for YouTube. Um, it's not as simple as just throwing it on an RSS feed. Unfortunately, it's not as simple as just throwing out something in an RSS feed. But we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, how is Rooster Teeth and The Roost, how are you guys approaching YouTube differently from a packaging perspective, optimization, et cetera? Yeah, so with packaging, especially for like advertising, I guess that's part of the, the question there. You know, it, when we first started selling video views alongside audio downloads, um, that was that took a few years to sort of figure out, and it took you know our head of sales, Alan Abdin over here. It took him quite a bit of time eight years ago to go into all the advertising agencies and tell them why views are equivalent to downloads and why you should you know, essentially care. And just all the different attributes within video that you can use to complement all these advertising spends, things like, you know, visual or thirds and product integrations in the video, and just a level of interaction with it that um, you just simply can't find in the audio only world. 
Um, and so, you know, that's been, you know, telling the story of views versus audio, that's not the case today. It, you know, there's a lot of people sort of doing the same thing. But, you know, starting it uh, anew is a completely different story. You generally won't have to tell advertisers about, you know, your method of actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 selling it back to them. But at the same time, it's like performance on platform it's it's going to be difficult because like there are some you know shows that are just more predisposed to finding more of its audience on audio um, but that doesn't mean that an audio only show can't perform on YouTube because again it's all about audience targeting so yeah and you mentioned earlier kind of audience types and you know and also the different formats on YouTube how I guess, how do you use all the different ways that, all the different tools YouTube makes available to kind of promote your podcast or kind of grow your audience? Because like your point, at the end of the day, it's not about podcasts or not podcasts, it's about your audience, it's about like who cares about your content and about you as a brand. Um, so on YouTube, we have things like long form audio, obviously, long form video, medium form video, shorts, live streaming. How are you guys using all these different content tools and is there anything new that you guys you're playing with or testing with that you think is relevant for the podcast audience yeah shorts youtube shorts um you know that short form content but creating original native short form content that draws people back to the long form podcast i'm going to repeat that because everybody's talking about clips right now i am not against clips clips are cool if you ask me whether to create a youtube channel dedicated to clips uh, and putting clips on the main YouTube channel, I don't really have an answer for you. But I will say that the short strategy in some places is short-sighted, to say the best. Um, it, it, it's important to talk to people in the way that they want, that they generally are consuming content today. And so, you know, uh, forgive me for stating this, you know, things like TikTok, right? And things like YouTube Shorts. Like, there's a, there's a way that people are sort of consuming content these days that you need, to, you need to grab them in the first 15 seconds. And so, and creating native content to those platforms is essential for drawing audience back to the original thing. Because otherwise, with the clip strategy, it's not... Oftentimes, I'm not seeing it as a great marketing strategy because there's no context behind it, right? I don't know what the full story is. Sometimes I see clips of people sort of slapsticking around, like, uh, you know, Burt Kreischer, uh, you know, doing something funny. I'm like, if I don't know who Burt is, um, I don't know how you're going to find adjacent audience to that. And so I'll actually show you an example of, you know, what we're doing on YouTube Shorts. We have a very successful podcast that started as audio only called Red Web that we later took to YouTube and I'll sort of show you how we created native content on YouTube Shorts to draw people back. Have you been having strange dreams lately? Well, you wouldn't be alone. In the past few years, weird signs have been showing up in several states that look a little bit like this. No one knows who's been posting these signs or what they're really for. Here's the sign that appeared mysteriously back in 2015 near Portland, Oregon. It's known as the Willamette Valley Dream Survey. It's important to note that when you leave your voicemail, nothing happens here. Here's a different sign that began showing up back in 2020 in the Utah area. It's the one that gives this mystery its namesake, but when you call it, a few things are different about it. The voicemail is much shorter, sounds automated, and when you left your message, you actually got a confirmation via a text. Some people believe that they hear static on the line, as if someone is listening in while they're leaving their messages. So many questions still remain. Who's leaving these posters? What are they doing with this dream information? And are we going to see any of these posters again in the near future? 
So there's a good example of it, and we're doing it with a number of different shows as well. And so we see a lot of great, and especially from, you know, obviously because you're keeping people on platform, YouTube Shorts, to your long-form content on YouTube, the crossover rate is actually pretty healthy. Um, sort of taking people, marketing things off platform in order to draw people where you want them to go, that's easier said than done. And that was a strategy largely employed by a lot of media organizations up until probably a year ago, where we can't make that assumption about behavior. So it's important to keep them engaged on platform um, and sort of driving to the same thing. So on the topic of shorts and TikTok uh, and Gen Z, um, do you find that the audiences you get on YouTube, at least for your podcast, do you find them to be different than the audience you see on Spotify, Apple, or other kind of RSS-based podcast platforms? Yes, absolutely. So I, I talked about this earlier where, for us in particular, we're finding a younger audience on YouTube, and there's very little, if any, cannibalization going over to other places because, and I'll say this loud and I'll probably recap it at the end, podcast consumption is a conditioned behavior. Remember that, podcast consumption is a conditioned behavior. Depending on who you're targeting to, they have been conditioned to go to certain platforms over others. If you're talking to a younger audience, they go to YouTube for virtually everything, right? That 18 to 34 year old, um, you know, uh, uh, upper end, lower end millennials into Gen Z, they have been conditioned to go to YouTube. And so that should be no different for podcasting. On the audio side, we, you know, Rooster Teeth, we tend to see a little bit of an older audience go there. Um, Spotify tends to be a little bit younger than what we assume Apple is. There's some assumptions in there, but we tend to pull our audience pretty frequently. And we learn some interesting things along the way. And so, you know, funny enough, um, there's also a life cycle in podcast conditioning. So because we've been around for such a long time, some of our early fans that started with us early days of YouTube have now migrated from YouTube over to audio. And that's okay because one, they'll still consume us in an audio sense on YouTube, but their behavioral you know, patterns have changed, right? They have commutes to work. They are at the gym working out. They're doing all this other stuff and so, you know, right there becomes a prime opportunity for YouTube to jump in and basically... Yeah, I mean, I don't like that you're saying that people are leaving YouTube to yeah, get no, no, no. audio, but yeah. maybe we'll do something about that. Yeah, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. You might uh, already be doing it in Canada, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Canadians. Yeah, yeah. Interesting people. Um, but, but by the way... I'm Canadian, like, by the way. So I, I can by the way, audio has always been big on YouTube. So I think I said earlier that number one or number two in podcasting worldwide, that's always been the case. That's always been the case. I remember a podcast movement just four years ago when Tom Webster got up here and said, worldwide, the biggest platform is YouTube. And I heard this loud, audible gasp in the entire conference room. And, uh, and some of us were just like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, but... But yeah, you know, you, you, YouTube has always been there and YouTube has always been in the audio space because, you know, I encourage you guys to pull up YouTube rankers, you know, the ones that get emailed to you weekly. And what you'll find is some of those YouTube channels that actually surface on those rankers are like Vivo Music, are like Coco Melon. And some of this stuff is like, it's not about the visuals. It's about how people are going to YouTube as a streaming audio player, light bulb, right? You know, especially for us, our audience over indexes in desktop viewership. And so what, what's happening with some kids is like literally picture somebody doing their homework and then throwing YouTube over to a second monitor while they're sort of on Microsoft Word on another. They still use Microsoft Word, right? 
Or is that a thing? Uh, I think so. I'm not sure, but they still use YouTube, I promise you. Um, so, you know, that, that is super, super fascinating. And so, yeah. Cool. So, shifting gears a bit, let's talk about monetization um, and revenue and advertising. Um, so, on YouTube, you know, we have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of creators and media companies making sustainable businesses on YouTube. Um, how does YouTube fit into Rooster Teeth's overall kind of monetization strategy? So, um, how much money does YouTube make for you, if you don't mind? Yeah, sharing? yeah. So I can't share those figures, but what I can say is that um, podcast monetization for the overall company is a third of our overall revenue annually. Um, it grows and it comes down. It's sort of like it ebbs and flows. And here's the beauty of it. And here's probably one of the driving points here is that Rooster Teeth is not just a podcast company, but it's a major critical component of our entire business. Podcasting becomes an entry point in order to, you know, bring them into the ecosystem that is Rooster Teeth. And so, you know, we have multiple, multiple revenue streams. And so for people who have podcast companies out there, I encourage you to almost take the phrase podcast out of the equation. Um, you know, don't take your eye off the ball, but the thing is start to diversify your revenue streams because, you know, putting your eggs all into one basket is never really a good idea. Um, you know, even now with the next few quarters, we're already hearing, you know, several uh, uh, podcast, major podcast players, you know, talking about uh, double digit declines because of the uh, oncoming recession. And so, you know, companies that are truly diversified, we tend to lean on other divisions to make up for that shortfall. And so for us, it's coming from, you know, uh, there's obviously podcast advertising, but then there's things like licensing, right? We window our content. So some of our owned and operated content actually streams live on our own streaming video on demand service called Rooster Teeth First, where we have about um, a little bit over 150,000 paid subs and then like 3 million unique, uniques coming through for non-paywalled content. And so beyond that, after we paywall it for like 24, 48 hours, it, that gets distributed publicly. But really where we're making you know, uh, the most out of it is through YouTube from that audience funneling standpoint. And then YouTube also helps us with e-commerce. So, you know, content drives commerce. And so, you know, you, you activate things like the carousel underneath the YouTube channel. So, um, you know, pushing out uh, new collections on a quarterly basis and making sure you do very unique things to sort of drive um, that traffic to your commerce, right? Like live shopping events and things like that. And so the purpose here is to diversify, diversify, diversify. In a way, take podcasting out of your lexicon to some extent. I hate to say that in a podcast. You're going to get shot when you leave yeah. this room. Um, but this is a content business, right? It's all about content. And so in the same way you're creating native content for YouTube shorts in order to drive people back to your podcast on platform, you know, you make boatloads of other content in order to drive that sort of, uh, 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 sort of momentum around the new, you know, think of podcasting as more a brand building around content, less about the podcast itself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's something that certainly we've been pushing uh, or, and pitching a lot to our partners is don't just lean on one revenue stream. Like the host red, as great as it is, is just one. Like help us, let us help you with things like programmatic ad selling. Take advantage of the commerce and shopability. Google AdSense, absolutely. That yeah. becomes more inventory, more revenue coming your way. Diversify, diversify, yeah. diversify. Yeah. Um, commerce, but even like SVOD with channel memberships we have as well. Um, live streaming, which I don't know if you talked about too much, but like mm -hmm. live streaming can make so much money through paid digital goods, like super chats and super stickers and things like that. There's just so many other ways 
that we're hoping to enable and activate for the podcast community. But, sorry. Oh, no, I was about to say, like, if your podcast is conducive to live streaming, absolutely. That's how you're going to find your most engaged fans. Activate it if you can do it. And ticket sales. Um, but going back to HostRed, because obviously that's still, you know, the cash cow for a lot of podcasters. Um, have any brands or sponsors come to you guys specifically asking for you to do a video host, like host read, host sponsorship? And I, I say that's an ass is because going back to your previous point about like, is a YouTube view worth more or less than an audio download? I would argue it's worth more yeah. because you can get the video component as well. Like if I'm an advertiser, I should be willing to pay a higher CPM for video host sponsored than an audio only one. But yeah. Yeah, for ourselves, I mean, we may or may not have proprietary data that shows that brand lift studies that show that video viewership and YouTube engagement has higher returns for an advertiser, both because we're able to add extra things into the mix. Some at early on, they never even asked for all this stuff, but we're very conscious and mindful of making sure that this drives returns for advertisers because ultimately that leads to a sustainable business and they'll keep coming back for more. And so um, I, I'm actually on a different slide right now. This is the live you know, shopping events that we do typically on YouTube every once in a while. And you know, and we also talked about how uh, uh, you know, content drives commerce. I'll skip past this one right now. We were talking about Google AdSense, so like taking a look at video analytics and the amount of revenue that you're looking to get. So like in this particular example, 80,000 total views on one particular piece of content drove $886. But you know, the longer you go and you start to see your back catalog working for you. But you know, here's a prime example of actually something unique and interesting that we were able to do from a video standpoint. And I know that I said take video out of the equation, but yes, there is some great things to having video because there's so much more, what, what do they say, like 50% of uh, communication is body language. So there's certain things that you just can't get in audio that you'll get in video. And here was one of these occasions where you know, uh, um, H3 Podcast has been one of our partners for uh, quite a long time now. And they did this ad read for HBO Max at the HBO Max team came back to us and basically said this drove a lot of returns uh, for subscriptions on our end. And I think a lot of that was conveyed through their own body language and surprise in this ad read. And so I'd love to play this for you. Not only do they have all of the DC movies and everything, but they do have Batman the Animated Series. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was, so I was just going to recommend some stuff on um, HBO Maximum, Maximus, Max. <laughs> so. The animated series, one of the most beloved cartoons of all time, it's like the most iconic, one of my- So good. Yeah, yeah. so, so freaking good. good, oh my. And you know, Mark Hamill is the Joker in that right. shit, which is, I never knew that. I didn't know but that. I, I didn't always, know it as a kid. It's great, cause yeah. like, it's, that Joker voice is so iconic. It's like more Joker than anything. He's, he's the Joker to I me. I was like, Mark Hamill? I, cause everybody, I just assumed- Notice the lower thirds, HBO Max, it. front but and center. He had a very prolific voice acting career. Yep. You know, as besides, let's see here. Um, man, they have a lot of stuff. They've, they've got everything. Tons of Batman content, all the superhero shit. There's also so much other good stuff on HBO Max. For example, I cannot recommend. Um, God, what was the show we? Lo oh, Lovecraft Country. Oh, oh my God. God. Do you ever watch the that Dan? show? Yeah, the so, look on his face is is great. Yeah, what? yeah, it's a sense of surprise. They generally, you know, they, they really ad-libbed their way through this read. And, um, you know, usually it, it was particularly great that, you know, this is something that they generally love. But we want to sort of keep that sense of surprise behind their ad read. And it, it, show, it shows in the body language, right? 
uh, to me it does. Um, so I think we're close to time. We have eight minutes left according to the doomsday clock in front of us. Um, if you had to sum up kind of your thoughts today, uh, kind of what key takeaways, like, oops, I guess we're skipping this slide, but what key takeaways would you have for the audience and the crowd? Yes, let me skip to those real quick. So we talked a little bit about this, of all the different things that you can employ within YouTube, all the different touch points here. And there you see sort of like the carousel also for the merchandise, again, keeping them on platform and engaged there. Don't let them leave, they're right there. So the key takeaways, um, you, so diversification is the key to content revenue growth and sustainability. I sort of crossed out podcast here. Again, because, you know, yes, we're calling it a podcast right now, but a lot of the things that we're talking about just rings true to content in general on YouTube. A lot of influencers on YouTube have known this for a very long time. Um, in fact, I, I could argue that your, you know, narrative straight to camera stuff that you've seen early on YouTube since 2005 were podcasts in and of itself, right? Um, so. Uh, you know, diversification, diversify, diversify. If you haven't introduced new aspects to your podcast and the revenue streams, do it now. Um, uh, that is the, the key to sustainability there. Um, another key thing is just, you know, um, there a lot of trepidation uh, for coming onto YouTube. Um, don't be scared. Come on in. The water's fine. Um, you might find an audience that you never knew existed. You might find a lot of really cool tools, tips and tricks, and meet really interesting people um, that know how to surface content on YouTube and know how, you know, again, YouTube is a game of skill. And so seeking out those folks that know what they're doing in that sense is really going to help your overall podcast strategy. So, you know, talk to people who are well-versed in this and not just podcasting as generally we've always known it because there's sort of one in the same. Um, remember this, podcast consumption is a platform condition behavior. Um, even if you're generally, you know, been targeting your efforts towards finding more audience and places like Apple and Spotify, and even if your view to views are not up to that level, again, it's audience targeting. It might be that your particular audience may have been conditioned to go somewhere versus another place, but that doesn't mean you should eliminate that. You should be in as many places as you can and employ all the different tactics on hand to actually help surface that content. Um, YouTube, game of skill, find those people. Make sure that there's variety in your content. Don't just post a podcast post more content, more native original content that is in the, uh, in the brand ecosystem that's pointing back to what the overall idea of the podcast is and not just always clipping it up because that's not always where you're going to get a lot of your returns. In fact, some people tell me that clips could be, clips might be the thing that's more cannibalistic to your long uh, to your longer episode views and audio downloads. So be mindful of that. That's not always the case for everybody, but original native content, give them something else. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty much it. There's a cool. ton of tools at their disposal. Use them. Thank you for sharing all that kind of behind baseball or inside baseball stuff for the crowd. Last question, uh, just because I have to ask this, um, and I might regret it, but is there anything that we at YouTube could be doing differently? Is there anything that you would ask of us or of me that to better support podcasters? Click. Of course. Um, <laughs> all right. We'll start in the front row. We'll start making our way back. Um, no, but okay. So, you know, some of the, the key things is 
discovery features. Now, we know that uh, youtube.com backslash podcast uh, started. So that was a nice surprise to a lot of folks out here. Um, but what are the plans to, um, you know, a lot of those, like I, I, I spent some time on that page, and a lot of those podcasts are certainly catered to us through the algorithm and our search history and a lot of all that stuff. Um, but like, what's the plan for editorializing that page a little bit? And, and then I'll move on to other stuff. Yeah, so almost all the services we have at YouTube are primarily algorithmically driven. So at, not to say that the algorithm is perfect, I'm sure many folks in this room and you yourself probably hate the algorithm in a lot of ways, but it's something that we're continuing to iterate on and we learn to do better over time. So your guys' feedback regarding what is surfacing and what is being recommended is truly helpful to us and our teams in making the algorithm better. But by and large, they are algorithmically driven. We will be creating new shelves though. The, the destination page you guys see today that just launched is definitely our V1.0. There's gonna be a V2, 3, 4 through whatever, infinite. Um, one of our plans for the near future is to add more shelves, different shelves to make the content more uh, customized to the user but also to what's going on in the world. So when the election season comes on, I'm sure there's gonna be an election shelf. Um, if it's Thanksgiving, there might be a cooking shelf. So we like, we want to make sure that we're providing info that's in, kind of helpful to everyone. And so one of the other things that I'm thinking about is like if you spent enough time on YouTube, you can turn in, uh, turn on and turn off a feature that's sort of like um, auto start for like the next video. And so is there, will there be a mechanism where people might discover new podcasts almost automatically after watching an existing podcast? Absolutely. Um, and that's certainly, when I talk about making our algorithm better, at least the recommendations algorithm, the watch next algorithm, that is certainly top of mind. And we've already spent a bunch of time looking at that. Um, we've already made changes there. So for example, right now, uh, when we recommend a video or recommend a piece of content next, we are much more likely now to recommend a podcast to someone we know that is either a heavy podcast listener, heavy podcast consumer, or we know that you know they might not be actually looking at their screen. So we should recommend something for them that's audio friendly and audio forward and not something that will cause them to crash their car if they're driving. Um, uh, I alluded to this earlier, the screen off play with the Canada joke. Um, so I think right now only YouTube premium subscribers have the ability to actually turn off the screen on their phone and listen to the content. Um, I think right there, that's the 800-pound gorilla that's really going to turn this ship. Um, so if gorillas can turn ships. Um, but so I guess my question is to you, like, how is that going in Canada? When do we expect that to be rolled out to non-premium subs here? Yeah, I'm going to completely dodge that question. Um, <laughs> Boo. No, 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 no. Kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Background playback is something that we know is core to a listener's experience, especially with how users today are habituated and conditioned, as you said, um, to consuming podcasts. We're very well aware of that. So yes, we know. Okay, cool. They know. They know something. Um, okay, so another big thing is like, uh, so you have your audio coming through your audio host, the data sort of being filtered back to your host uh, from all the individual platforms. And then, you know, some people have to go to their, vi uh, to their YouTube channel. It's like, how do you mic, you know, bring them together? And so, you know, I guess the first thing is, um, what are you doing in terms of unifying both sets of analytics onto a single dashboard? That way we understand performance uh, 
just you know a little a little better. So when you talk about unifying, I'm assuming you mean on YouTube unifying the video and audio. So right now the default is using what's available on YouTube Analytics, which is heavily video focused, um, which is something that we will be developing new audio focused metrics around again in the very near future. I promise, you know, trademark. Um, but we will be launching audio specific metrics in YouTube Analytics probably in the next quarter or two. Um, product team is going to kill me for making okay. that. Okay, that's new. That's new. Any press in the room? We're good. We're good. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, uh, and then audio monetization, right? When you start to sort of incorporate it all together and now you're feeding audio through the same system, you know, is there a world where sort of Google AdSense starts to filter into the audio side of the business? Yeah, I mean, that's going back to my statement at the beginning of the, the talk of we want to make YouTube more listenable and more audio friendly. And I think everything that you just discussed kind of goes into that. So. We, everything that you said like, makes complete sense to me. And again, thank you for the feedback that we've had today and also in the past when we've had our many conversations. But we're open to hearing more as well. Like, I know we haven't shared that much, but we have a lot of stuff coming. Just tell us. And whether, if it's on our roadmap, great. If it's not, we'll try to add it to it. You know, if anything, uh, like I said earlier, crediting you guys with making your rounds and listening to folks. Um, uh, yeah, it's really important to listen and listen to people's feedback and generally what we can do all together to help grow out this space. And so thank you so much for your time. Thank you to all of you out here. Uh, we're, not, we're, we're not really doing Q&A here. We're sort of out of time. But we'll be around if you guys have any questions. Um, but I hope everybody has a wonderful podcast moving. Thanks, Kai. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, everybody.